hey, go grab your records, buddy, because we just went live. You have like no choice. Prepared. I was. I have my records. You're not prepared. He didn't do his homework. We have no viewers anyway. Zero viewers. Zero. We have zero viewers anyway. So we started. We started like that last time, and the time before. But then we picked up people. Yeah, we picked up at least one. No, last week we had like twelve people watching at one point. Yay! Yeah, we did. We did. Yeah, um, it was great. We're going to talk until somebody shows. Ah, one. We have one. One I viewer. It is. Uh, <laughs> speak your name. Type in the chat. Who uh, is this? Who are you? Why are you here? Oh, two. All right, we got two. You know what that means, Nick? What does that mean? I don't know. I'm asking, do you know what it means? <laughs> I don't know what it means. I think it means that there's people interested. You know what it also means? Now, three, three whole people are now here. Oh, my God. I am just, oh, it's Monty's one of them. Hi, Monty. He just texted me. Thank you. Four, four. All right. You know what this means? That means we got to do the intro. Do the Is intro. It, ready? In yes. a three, in a two, in a one, in a, I'm pressing the button. I'm a video editing ninja. Is that you playing on that too? Yeah, I wrote that. I wrote. How come, how, how come the guitar riff slows down? What do you mean? It goes dan 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 dan. It's like I I feel a hiccup in the uh, in the output. That might be what you're getting on your feed, but there's there's not. And trust me on that one. Okay. It's your antiquated Wi-Fi that is causing all of this to happen. I did a speed test right before we did this. It showed a constant, like, I don't know, two, 200 Mbps. Yeah, well, then you got something going on. Well, anyway, that's neither here nor there because we are here and you are there. So uh, see what I did? That was sort of like, you know, kind of like a funny tie-in sort of thing. We're back to I, four. I got we two for a second. And now we're at six. They're multiplying like rabbits. This is amazing. They, they didn't <laughs> like your intro is the deal. I know those two left and then like two others came in and then the other two were like, is the intro over? Can I come back? And so that's why we have six. So anyway, welcome to the show, everybody. Welcome to cover to covered episode and episode episode nine. This is called grails and holy grails. And we'll be talking about that in a minute. My name is Mike Venezia. That guy over there. That's Nick Morocco. I am here in sunny San Diego and he is in Tempet, Rain Temp Detroit, <laughs> rainy de today. Rainy. Well, that's not good. We don't like that. And Roger is running around. Actually, right now, he's just sitting here waiting for me to play with play with him. He's got a toy in his mouth and he's being a real he's being a dick. But uh, anyway, so we are now live. And um, thanks again for showing up. For those of you that are back, for those of you that are here for the first time, Cover to Cover is a show that talks about most things vinyl, but all things music. And uh, Nick, 
is based out of Detroit. Like I said, he is the proprietor and owner of Rock City Music Company. What are the deets of Rock City Music Company, Nick? We sell guitars. We sell records. We sell T-shirts. We sell all that great stuff. We're located in Livonia, Michigan. You can visit us online at rockcitymusicco.com. Well, there you go. And because the, the internet is worldwide, it's the World Wide Web. So anybody who's watching from across the left and right pond, you could check out next door too. And we'll sit and we'll send you records, but we can't send you guitars. Yeah, no, that's that. Yeah, you can't do that. There, there's, there's a whole thing behind that. Anyway. So, <laughs> so Nick, what's been going on, man? How was your week? Everything good? It was good. It, it's been good. I'm fine. The, the weather is finally breaking here. It was, a, it was like mostly a hundred degrees last week. Oh, it felt like it coming out of what we're used to but it was in the high 80s which is crazy for us in may so that's that's been crazy but we you know we're getting great stuff in the store tons of great used and new vinyl going out nice um, we're gonna talk a lot yeah. about today too that's for sure so i do have one thing i have one complaint at the beginning of the show i i right before i got home i needed food this is not a commercial for chick-fil-a in fact i'm angry at them you hear this that's called an overabundance of ice like are you one of those guys? Well, like when I got three sips of my iced tea and then like the thing's empty, I'm like, hey. So this I filled it up with water and like now I have super diluted iced tea. Like, come on, Chick-fil-A. A little bit, a little bit less on the uh, you know, a little bit less on the I've ice. I've never eaten Chick-fil-A. Well, Chick-fil-A is good, even though they may impinge on people's freedoms, but that's neither here nor there. Um <laughs> I'm You're not making your own rule right now. I'm not. In, yeah, I know. I'm not endorsing them, nor am I not endorsing them, nor am I being political, nor am I not being political. So no politics on this show for the most part, obviously, except for that little asterisk. Anyway, so what are we going to talk about today, Nick? We're going to talk about grails. We're going to talk about what they are, both personal grails, and we're going to talk about holy grails. We'll explain that in a minute. Uh, we're also going to go through uh, Disco uh, Discovered again, where we talk about a cover song that's equal to, if not better than the original, and we each have a choice for this week. And then, of course, this song sucks, where a great band made a really crappy song, and we added to our Spotify playlist, which is if you're looking on YouTube, it's in the details below. You can click on that link to listen to. If you want to have the crappiest playlist on the planet to listen to, it's right there for you. Also, I would be remiss to say if you are enjoying this, and even if you're not, please do us a favor and subscribe to the channel below and hit that like button, that thumbs up for us, please, because you know this this could only this could only this can only go up because literally we had 14 subscribers, and uh, oh, and Ducky's here. Hey, Ducky, uh, and hi, Patty. Welcome to the show. How uh, do you Pat know they're there? Are they coming up in the comments? Oh, there they are. I see them. I see them. Oh, see. So, uh, Ducky, feel better. Understand you got the dreaded Rona. And, uh, Patty, I hope you're drunk. <laughs> well, she told me. She Hell of a pitch to both of us. She told me she was going to start hitting the whiskey. And, like, I'm waiting for, like, you know, drunk, you know, comments to be coming in, you know, from, from Ohio. So, anyway, with all that said, we got a lot to talk about today. Um, but first off, Nick, what have you been spinning the past week? What have you been listening to? Okay, so this time for what I've been spinning, instead of just telling you, I figured I'd show you. So Ooh. hang on one second. Ooh, he has visual aids, ladies and gentlemen. I do. And I wanted to spotlight this because there's been a lot of hype about this. And I want to say it's absolutely worth the hype 
the UAQR release of Jimi Hendrix. Are you experienced? Now that's the 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 cut at forty five RPM and placed on gold platters and rubbed with olive oil and mozzarella cheese before it gets sent out to the public or something like like tell us about what UHQR is. UHQR used to be a, a mobile fidelity thing, and then Chad at Acoustic Sounds purchased it, and he's just recently revived the series. So this is similar to the MoFi One Step, where it's basically tape to plate, um, but this is uh, 200 grams on Clarity vinyl, so they don't add the dye to the vinyl to make it black, clear dip. Um, okay. It, it was mastered by Bernie Grudman, the you know the king of mastering, him and Kevin Gray. Um, but the the biggest thing here is the packaging. You can see it's a nice, it's a leather uh, bound uh, box with uh, embossing. And it's also got this hefty, it's like an encyclopedia wooden dowel to pull out the package. Wow. That's kind of impressive. Yes. <laughs> and, and the jacket was printed at Stoughton. So it's, it's nice and clear. It's probably going to be hard to see in the video, but just yeah. they use they use the actual negatives of the album card to, to replicate this. From what I understand, they used human flesh as the actual medium of which they printed on, and it was exactly. just flesh. Yes, no, and there's not. your clear there's your clarity vinyl. Nice in a mofi sleeve, basically in, in a mofi sleeve. So what I'll tell you is this: it's pricey. Uh, picked up i think tag on it's like 125 and then they hit you for like 13 bucks shipping tax etc so you end up being about 150 in but i can say with complete confidence this record has never ever sounded better than it does wow all right on, on this version so yes i get it's pricey but you get what you pay for and as soon as this thing's sold out it'll triple in value so if you're a hendrix fan you gotta have this and i just can't say enough about it when you ask me what i've been spinning this is all i've been spinning for uh pretty much 10 days at this point it's a great <laughs> listening headphones too well that's that was a nice uh, nice summary there nick and now i feel like i need to shut the show short so i can go out and buy one uh, yes but i'm also poor at the moment because i've spent all my disposable income on vinyl already so that brings up what i've been spinning so um i was out on the road for for my job uh, uh for the over the past week or so and and uh, of course taking the opportunity to visit other states you get to visit other stores other record stores where you may pick up a gem or two and uh i picked up a couple of gems in one store i picked up uh, an original pressing of uh, led zeppelin 4 uh, full on gatefold with the with the inner sleeve in immaculate condition, no splits, nothing. It's the 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 porky mastering. Uh, so for those of you that know, it's like more of the uh, more of the higher quality. The the person who mastered, I think, is George something or other. But his mastering process for that album was superior to other pressings. Uh, sounds incredible, sounds great. But what I've been listening to, and it was, it was a bit of irony. So I had ordered it, and I was expecting it to be delivered when I returned. But then I found an original pressing of it that same day, and that's Def Leppard's Pyromania. So, <laughs> so it came out not last Friday, the Friday before, uh, reissued first time since 1983, right? Did we, I think we yes. talked about this, right? It's first time since 1983. And then I went into a store, like I ordered it that morning, and then I went into a store later that day, and it was, oh, there's an OG. All right. Well, I guess I'm picking that up too. So, you got to have both. 
you got to have both and I'm playing both. So that's fine. I'm, I'm all good with that. And it's, and it's great to kind of have both. So you can hear the fidelity of each one. Like what's the differences between, you know, newer mastering techniques. Was it, you know, or versus, you know, cause you have, you have albums back in the day that were mixed and mastered specifically for vinyl. And then yes. they reissued them. They're able to remaster them, which if anybody doesn't know what a remastering is, it's just basically a slight re EQing of the, of the overall album. What they say by remaster, they make a big thing out of it. It is sort of a big thing, but it's not like they got the original tracks, remixed it, re EQed every track, and then, you know, made new tracks out of it. That's not what it is. Common misconception on that, that a remix and a remaster are they're two completely different things. Completely different things. And a lot of it, I mean, I'll admit a lot of it is marketing, but there is a, a sonic difference. It's a little bit tougher when you have an album that was originally mixed all digital and then going to vinyl because you can press it that way, but that needs to be remastered for vinyl so that it, yeah. it works the frequencies that vinyl that vinyl exudes so uh this is vinyl to vinyl but just a newer version of it so it's kind of interesting to listen to them back to back on the same system at the same levels and seeing if there are sonic differences there are they're not as different as i would think um thankfully the the og i got is actually a really really clean copy so uh but comparing it up against the 180 gram you know reissue is not that much of a difference but there's something there it's I, I, yeah. a little little bit extra little bit extra wolf not wolf but a little extra bump in the bass is really what i kind of got out of it, a little bit fuller that's almost always what they do they 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 kick up that low end because the systems now uh i mean most systems that people have in their homes now can can kick out the the heavier bass yeah, and there is examples of of remasters that they don't stack up to the original one i would point at is uh the who who's next the the press that's in print right now is it okay it doesn't sound bad if you put it up against a a 70s press it it doesn't even come close it's it's night and day yeah so th there are examples of both sides you know and yes. And uh, we've heard, but I'm sure of, we should probably do an episode on that at some point. Write that down. Um, Jotting it down. <laughs> there you go. So that's what we're uh, that's what we're listening to this week. If you want to talk about what you're listening to, put it in the comments. We'd love to hear what everybody's listening to. We'll talk about that later. Um, now, next up, Nick, what I want to talk about is something that we do every time that we do one of these shows now, and that's what's coming out this Friday. So. You got a couple of things to show us, a couple of high. Now, mind you, again, there's probably like 50 releases coming out on Friday. Um, but Nick's highlighted a couple of them to kind of show us and talk about. So what do we got? We're going to talk. We're just going to talk about it this week because our order hasn't arrived yet. Oh, so let me. Oh, snap. <laughs> Let me, I'll tell you, this is something that people are excited about, and it's not a new release, but it's that it's back in print. Um, Smashing Pumpkins, Melancholy, and the Infinite Sadness. It's a four LP set. It's been highly sought after for the last couple of years and hasn't been available. Yeah, Going for three, $400. It's coming back in print. Well, I shouldn't say it's coming back. It is in print. We've got five copies of it on the way, as well as um, five copies of Siamese Dream, which also has been highly sought after for the last couple of years. Nice. And then in, and then in terms of new releases, if I can get this to load, everything is sucking right now. Let's up and put out a new album. What? <laughs> yeah, don't you wish? Don't you wish? 
let's just let's just throw out bands that while you're looking it up let's throw out bands that will never put out another album and say they put out a new album like <laughs> like kiss like kiss kiss will probably find a way to put out a new album 20 years from now they'll be dead and buried and paul stanley would be like well we went into the studio yeah, um, we, we did a new one yeah we did another one gene's like it'll be 17.99 kiss.com you've got that gene down really good i think maybe next week nick i what i'm thinking is i'm thinking that i will do the entire show as gene simmons as gene simmons i will be gene simmons everybody here can come to the show 14.99 pay for, subscribe at kiss.com get the kiss condoms and the kiss coffin while you're we'll get you it. coming we'll get you going exactly that is That's how we do it. kiss.com so big big release for we for reissues um ozzy osborne black rain is being released nice. i think that came out in 06 uh yeah. that hasn't been available since it was released other than the ozzy box set um there's a uh, Neil Young bootleg series coming out called Citizen Kane. This is the first of three unreleased live shows that's, that uh, is being released over the next couple of weeks. I think the next two come out June 3rd. It's all yeah, classic era, Neil. Let's, let's be clear. These are official bootlegs. Correct. Correct. So these are actually with Neil, there, there are things that have been in his archives, soundboard tapes or, or um, just recorded of, of, classic era shows that maybe have been out in the bootleg world, but not to this quality. These are perfect, perfect sound. Uh, again, we talk about remix remaster. This is a full official release from Neil. So the one that comes out this week is from 74. I believe there's one coming out on third from 71 and then another one from 75. So a couple different eras in Neil. Um, and I believe there is a new Volbeat record coming out. There's also a Steve Vai Flexible reissue. No way. Yep. Does it also include Flexible Leftovers or is it just Flexible? I'm thinking that just based on price point of this, that it's both. Nice. What What is the price point on that? Probably closer to 40 then, right? Yep. Yeah. For, it'd be, be like 43 bucks. So it's probably a two LP would be double, my guess. Yeah, double LP with flexible leftovers. If that's the case, took completely worth it because some of the stuff on flexible leftovers is kind of crazy too. I don't know if you've ever heard it, but it's, it's, it's kind of out there and flexible for me as a, you know, growing, you know, guitar playing teen out of long Island home of Steve Vai, that album was like really formative for me. I'm like, all right, I need to quit playing this instrument because yeah, he's way too good and one he, thing i remember one, about that, he, oh go ahead he's i was just gonna say he's one of those guys that even even now when you see him you're just like he play. i mean he literally plays like he's from another planet you just go i don't know how this guy is doing the things that he does <laughs> exactly and the thing about that album that was like right after he was writing a lot of that stuff while he was with zappa uh and that influence is all over that album like, like definitely, you know, you, you got, if you listen to it, you're like, Oh wait, that sounds reminiscent of like this song from Frank Zappa or this song from Frank. It's all over that album. And that's perfectly cool because I like Frank Zappa. So yes, I'll talk yes. more about Frank Zappa in a minute too. Um, great. So anything else you got for that? No, those are, those are all the highlights. There's, there's always reissues and, and things like that, but those would be the ones I would spotlight. Excellent. Excellent. So we'll next, look uh, next time I'll have them. I think I think there was a UPS holdup. So <laughs> next time I'll be showing them. 
<laughs> Sounds good. We don't blame you for UPS's, you know, shortfalls. It's that's fine. Um, and believe me, I, in my in my business happens a lot. Um, you know, when whenever something gets to a store that I, I ship something to a store and it comes in crush, I call that UPS customization. <laughs> um, the UPS yeah. custom shop. Yeah, it's UPS customized. So uh, great. All right. So let's get on to the main topic of the evening. Um, and anybody, if you want to add comments, please add comments. If there's anything you want to talk about, please to put it in the chat. Love to hear from y'all. Um, we are going to be talking about grails and holy grails. Okay. So when we talk about it from the vinyl perspective, we're not, it has nothing to do with religion except for the religion of music. Right. Uh, and Grails and Holy Grails for collectors are those albums that you just can't find, all right, or are super rare for one reason or another. Now, I say Grails and Holy Grails because we all have our own personal Grails. There's albums that we look for that might not even be worth that much, but we just can't find them. And we constantly search for them. We want them in our collection. There's reasons why we want them. We love the band. We love that album. Brings back brings us back to a time and place what have you. Those are personal grails. Some of those are worth money. Then yes. there's the holy grails, which there's a lot of these. We're going to talk about a few of them, but there are a lot of these. And these are albums that no matter what type of music you like, no matter what bands you like, if you have these albums in your collection, you got something worth a lot of money and you don't care if you listen to it or not. You're going to keep that until it jacks through the roof as far as costs uh, as far as value goes then you trade it in you could put that nice down payment on a car um exactly. or a house in some cases house in some cases yeah exactly and depending on where you live you could just buy the house <laughs> with what you sell it for so um so here's how this is going to go nick and i each have our own uh we'll go through five or so of each i would think you know back and forth and just talk about them really quickly because you know we have we're 21 minutes in already and we want to get to the point so um <laughs> And we each, again, we're going to talk about our personal grails, but then we're going to go through some, and I know Nick has some of these, some of the holy grails. And I'm really jealous that you have some of these um, because these are, these are items that I would want in my collection. Anybody would want in their collection. Frankly, some of them would not be in my collection anymore for the effort to buy the aforementioned house. Uh, if we could sell these. And this is why people like me and Nick, when we go out of town, visit other stores and look to see what they may have because they may not know what they have. That's a lot less now in this day and age of the internet and something yes. called Discogs. Discogs.com has ruined it for us, but it's also a great database and a great reference point to follow what your collection is worth. So uh, with all that said, would you like to go first, Nick? I'll go first. Okay. I'll, I'll be happy to go first. Here we go. Let me just figure out which one I want to start with. Here, how about this? Because I think this is an album everybody can appreciate. This was one of my grails for a long time because I couldn't find a copy that was in good shape. This is the Mobile Fidelity version of Dark Side of the Moon. So, again, if you're not familiar with Mobile Fidelity, arguably the number one audiophile label of all time. Uh, they were the first people to do the sort of, um, you know, cutting down the process of how many times the signal is degraded of the, uh, the sonics are degraded of the record as it's being, so this, this was done on their old system. So I believe it was like tape to plate to a mother plate to the record. So 
still like less a steps in kind of thing. Exactly. So, you know, gatefold. the icon, iconic gatefold. Um, but what you get on this is huge sonics. Here, actually, this one still has the MoFi insert. And, and there <laughs> No, no, actually, that's something different. I'm going to show that. So limited edition from Original Masters. That's your cardboard insert. And then this is a question of how you purchased this record and what you thought of it. Interesting. Yes, from 1981, it looks like. So all the inserts are here, and here's your certificate of limited uh, warranty. So I've got nice. all the inserts with it. It's in beautiful condition. Uh, it's just not one you see. It was a big seller for MoFi just because it's Dark Side of the Moon. Another big one was Abbey Road. So you do see these more often than regular MoFi titles, but rarely do you see them in clean shape because a lot of people played in my garbage system. So I'm really happy to have this one. You know, I'm waiting for, I can't wait. They haven't come out yet, but they announced them. Like all the David Lee Roth era Van Halen albums are coming out on MoFi. So and they're doing them as one steps, not just regular MoFi. Yeah, they're doing a one step, so it's like even better. So that's yes, cool. and I think they're going to be like 125 bucks a shot each. <laughs> Crazy, yeah. and and those are both two. They're not. They're both. They're all two LP mastered 45. So what's killing me is like you listen to a record like Fair Warning. Every two songs, you're going to have to flip the record because because <laughs> the whole record's like 29 minutes long. So yeah. I don't know how they're doing two LPs on that, but oh boy. The grooves are really wide, very, very wide grooves. It'll All sound right. great. So my first one is a double shot. Uh, and it's because now, again, this is a personal grail. And I'm wearing this shirt, which is probably looking backwards. Uh, it is. And it's of a band called Wrathchild America. And Brad Divins, the singer and bass player, is a friend of mine. Hi, Brad. I know you're not watching, but hi anyway. So, um, but I'm going to try to get you on the show. Because uh, he's got a long, rich history in the music uh, music business. But his band, Wrathchild America, put out their first album in 1989. The second album came out around 91. And the first album was tough enough to find on vinyl. The second one was even harder to find on vinyl. So Wrathchild America is their debut album called Climbing the Walls. The second one is called 3D. Both released on, on Atlantic Records. And I found this one on eBay. All right. And again, they're not that many around. I, I paid I paid a decent amount of money for it. But then I tried to find 3D. Couldn't find it anywhere. So I actually, I actually wrote to Brad. I'm like, dude, you, you got to hook a brother up. He's like, man, I have one. That is it. And they were only pressed in Germany. And they were only pressed in, pressed in small quantities. All right. So what did I do? I had to search high and low and I found it of all places. And now this is a dirty word. I found this in Russia. Ooh. I actually bought that album from Russia. It took 17 days to get here and it was worth every penny for me because now I have those first two albums that I love that. I mean, I love this band. I love this band. I think they were completely underrated and just totally were, were, were overlooked because it was a strange time, you know, they're sort of like prog metal thrash kind of thing with pop mm -hmm. sensibility choruses. So it was sort of like hair, hair metal choruses, sing songy type choruses, but like with brutal drumming and very strange stuff, which is why I like it. 
and the precursor for a lot of bands that came later on. Unfortunately, they got caught in that sort of midpoint, you know, and, and again, also you're talking about the time when most companies started making CDs and yeah, not so that's really what I was going to say. That's the big thing from 91. There were hardly any records getting pressed at that exactly. point. You know, that's why melancholy and the infinite sadness was $500 to buy used on LP because there were like eight copies made, you know? So <laughs> Is everything was on CD at that point. Nobody, nobody paid attention to vinyl, except you found a lot more in Europe because it seems like they were still like 10 years behind everybody as far as technology for one reason or another. So you find a lot of those European imports today, and now they're worth a chunk of change. Yep. So anyway, Rathchild America and Rathchild uh, America Climbing the Walls and 3D, those are two of my personal grails to start off with. You're up. Killer. I love that. And Nick Okay, one of my... No, no, I had to had to reach down and grab something. Um, one of my favorite records of all time, Bob Dylan, Blood on the Tracks. This is uh, it, it, some days it is my favorite album of all time. But what's special about this one is this is a white label promo. Wow, Blood on the Tracks. So, if you're unaware of what a white label promo is, is usually these were provided to um, you know press people or radio stations. Sometimes you get the ones that have the timing strip on them. I think this is a case of somebody had a white label promo and they just stuck it in a regular jacket because it should have the timing uh, stamp on it, but it doesn't. But it is a white label. Uh, it's usually the first run that they press of the records so uh it's before the the uh pressing plate gets worn out and such and uh this was a total find in the wild like you're talking about mike i just uh anytime i see this record i always look at which version it is because there is one where this uh this painting on the back that dylan the whole back cover is that painting so that's the the first run of it which tells me this just got stuck in a regular jacket but it's in beautiful condition and love the white label promo stuff so i'm happy to have this one nice all right oh where'd it go uh oh did you knock over i lost it no i didn't knock anything over roger ate it actually all right this one is one of a couple of grails that goes along with this band and i only have this one right now but i'm determined to get the other ones uh anybody ever hear of a band called pantera well no i never heard of them what are they about they're uh, a Barry Manilow cover act. I'd They're love to hear. I'd love to hear Pantera do some Barry Manilow. That would be awesome. Like I could totally hear that. Um, so before, now everybody knows of the more modern version. I say modern version of Pantera from Cowboys from Cowboys from Hell on with Phil Anselmo on vocals. Well, there was another singer prior to Phil that did three albums with Pantera that you've probably never heard of unless you really Terry, Terry Glaze or something. Terry Blaze. Is that his name? Yeah. And so there were three of them. There was like, I am the night projects in the jungle. Uh, one other one, uh, metal magic. And was then Phil, wasn't it? Metal magic wasn't Phil. That was um, uh, power metal. Oh, power metal. Yep. yep. Metal has Phil Anselmo. I have that on CD, which was a boot, but um, this isn't. And this is Projects in the Jungle, the pressing that those guys did themselves on the Pantera Metal Magic Records label. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's and it, that's it, a rare bird there. Wow. Yeah. So this is this is one of those teetering on the edge of personal equal uh, possibly holy grails 
Um, and the other albums are available on LP. You just got to find them. The one thing that this does not have is the merch sheet that they did. It's like they photocopied these merch sheets and put them in, um, put them in these. I forget how many of these are pressed. I know it wasn't too many. Um, maybe a couple of thousand, maybe. Uh, Did you get that recently or have you had that? I've had it. I, I actually won this in an auction. Uh, it, at, uh, my cat's family on Facebook. Yeah. I, I won this in an auction and, uh, I only had like two entries in like out of 50 and I wound up winning it. So, wow. Uh, talk about a bit of luck. Yeah. This is worth hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Uh, and it's in immensely immaculate condition. Like the corners aren't even really bent. Like that kind of condition. Yeah, so. it, lo- it looks beautiful. Wow, that's that's yeah. a that's a huge find there. That's that's insane. That was a big one. That was a big one. Nick's up. Okay, I don't know how you, if you do this, but when I find stuff at stores and they have notes on them, or you know, even from the store owner, I leave them on. It'll remind me of when I got it. This is an original '66 press of Pet Sounds on uh, the mono version which uh, coincidentally just celebrated its, what, 55th anniversary? Am well, I doing my math? 56? 56. <laughs> All right. Um, it's, it's seen it's better days. It's the- down to four. I understand that. That's it. One, yes. two, three, yeah. four. That is it. That's all you got. If if uh yeah if it was its fifty fourth anniversary, I would have got it right on the. You would have nailed right? that. Yeah, you would have been like five four time. Okay, I could do that. Records in great shape. Uh, I mean, got some that's some inner uh, crack. That's the original inner on that, right? I believe so. Uh, was- yeah, because you got advertisements for Beatles '65 and Beach that's Boys in concert and such. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so this this had a note from where I bought it, where it says '66 original mono, hard to find. And then uh, the price, and then sorry, light scratches, some wear, noise, cover wear, in store has paid, and uh, date it came in. So I always leave that stuff on there because I think that's really cool. This is one of the best albums of all time. So to have an original mono is pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. Now, the thing is with mono records such as that, or like Beatles mono record, any mono records, you kind of, you can't use a stereo needle. You can, but you shouldn't because it could actually hurt the stereo needle. Mono grooves are different than stereo grooves, and the way that the needle fits within those grooves is different. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, there are companies like Ortofin that, that make mono needles specifically. And if you have one of their cartridge, one of their one of their housings, you could just slip off the stereo one, slip on the mono one, listen to your mono records, and then go back to life. But the, the the big mono cartridge that they that they brought back to life was when that Beatles set that I'm always talking about came out yep. in 14. That was their big reason for doing that. Now that's cut differently so that it can be played on stereo systems. You do the best sound if you use the mono cartridge on it, which I have yet to do because even on a stereo system they sound just incredible just unbelievable and out of a lot of receivers you can flip down to mono and it'll just it'll fold the stereo down and that's what my receiver does so you'll still end up with the uh vocals in the one channel and the music in the other channel not like you're saying if you want the real accurate experience you should have a mono setup yeah exactly because of the way that the needle fits in the groove the way that it reads the groove very different than a stereo needle stereo needle essentially you know if you look at a groove as like a v and your needle is fitting within that v you got to think like left and right that's what that's how the needle is picking it up and transferring that sound out the mono needle it's the same signal 
but it's cut differently. So you don't necessarily want to right and left. You want something that's right down the middle. Um, I think I don't know the science behind all of it. I do know that it does make a difference and you know, you can play mono records on a stereo needle, but you probably don't want to for a very, very, very long time. Unlike with that Beatles set, which was cut so that you can, and it shouldn't, it shouldn't do damage to, to modern day needles. So very important. Um, great. So we were, um, we mentioned Van Halen before and we mentioned fair warning before. Yes. This is a personal grail for me. Van Halen, fair warning. My, by far my favorite, you know, pre Hagar Van Halen by far. Now this one's special for a couple of reasons. First off, uh, it's a European press, original European press. Um, it does have the, the original inner. Okay. It has, did I put it in here? I did. It has this though, that really separates it from a lot of others. Ooh. And this is a, a fan club certificate that states as follows in honor of having witnessed the onslaught of over 700,000 Watts of light, 40,000 Watts of sound and over 220,000 man miles traveled. You can hear that Dave wrote this <laughs> carrying over 50 tons of equipment. Van Halen takes great, great pride in decorating your name here with this document that certifies you've survived the seventies to become a true rock and roller and a member in good standing of the 1981 Van Halen fan club. <laughs> wow. <laughs> now, does that have somebody's name on? Is it blank? No, it's blank. It's blank. That's, that's incredible. And then this also had one other thing that only came with the UK press. And it's this, I was going to say unadulterated, but it's very adult because it's Diamond Dave. Oh, I, I already know what's coming. Yeah, it's. I'm not going to. Un- well, I guess I have to unfurl the whole. You have thing. to. You got to show everybody. <laughs> I mean, come on! Who doesn't want a poster of David Lee Roth chained up against the fence in their bedroom? I always. Th- every time I see that, I always think about like the meeting that where he was telling those guys that he wanted to put that in the record <laughs> and them being like, well, for what reason? And guys, well, just hey, hey, hey. I got this great idea, guys. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to chain myself up to a fence. We're going to put six foot posters in all of our records. And they were like, whatever, Dave. Yeah. They're like, all right, add another 50 cents onto the price. And there we go. But yeah, you're all set. Exactly. But having the certificate, and by the way, that poster, I think that may have been the second time the poster was opened. Like the poster is perfect. So, yeah, it looks in great shape. How'd you have that? Got it from a friend in the UK. That's a good friend. My my cat's family. So, which, by the way, every time I say that, that's referring to a club, essentially a group on Facebook that um, everybody there is like a, a, a vinyl maven and they, you know, they, they run into these things and they offer them, you know, people sell them, trade them, what have you. So um, certain things you could find if you come into the right group and make the right friends. 
there's always great stuff move getting moved around in that group. Half the oh. time, I just I I'm just laying there watching the video, going, I can't get involved because I I will quickly lose my. Well, you know, well, all right. So there's a particular person. His name is Ian, and and he he goes live a lot, and everybody that watches him has something to say. And Ian, you are probably watching, so love you, buddy. Um, this it's so funny, just the way that he says things, and you know, it's like. VG plus VG plus six books. <laughs> Dude, that's that's so accurate. That's so accurate. That's I'm always laughing because he's so serious, and you can tell the stuff that he has is just top notch. I mean, like I, I if that was me doing, I'd be like, oh my god, look at this, and he's like, first Pantera, <laughs> Cowboys from Hell, start the bidding at three books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that that's about it but he has an encyclopedic knowledge like he knows everything He's like, oh, i'm not sure if this one no this one came with the poster but it doesn't have the poster so it's seven books you know and uh <laughs> oh with the poster it's 50 books easy um but he, but he knows all this, you know, yeah, his price is very proud. fair too, considering. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, thank you, Ian, for that. I appreciate it. You're up. It's the notch at the sands. Mo-fi. Another, mo- another MoFi. Now, so this one they did, um, MoFi did a, uh, uh, celebration around 2015, what would have been Sinatra's hundredth birthday. So Capel was reissuing all the Sinatra records, but then MoFi, who had done the Sinatra box set in the 80s, they took specific titles and reissued them and then did some that they had never done before, and this was one of them. This is one of the greatest records ever made. Um, Count Basie Orchestra, conducted by Quincy Jones. Sinatra at its absolute best. Um, I think he's about 50 here, which is crazy because I think it's like 1965. Um but he's telling all kinds of jokes to the crowd and talking about the sands getting remodeled and stuff. But uh, this record growing up for me, my grandparents as Italians are very big in Frank Sinatra. And I heard this my whole life growing up. And this is again, just like I was saying about the Hendrix, undoubtedly the ultimate press of this record. And uh, I missed it when it first got reissued. Cause I think they only did 3000 of them and they were gone immediately. So a friend of mine, uh, who actually we just bought his record collection and he was moving. Um, he knew how much this record meant to me. And he said, I don't want you to sell that record. I want it to be in your collection because he loved it. And now I love it too, because uh, like I said, one of my favorite albums of all time. And if you haven't heard this, even in a, uh, it came out mono and stereo in its original run, either way you pick up, it sounds great. You can usually pick up used copies of it for like 10, 15 bucks. So if you see it and you don't have it, you got to hear this. This is the best, but the MoFi one's going to cost you about 300 bucks. If you find one, 300 books, now that one is that the one that opens up with one o'clock jump no this opens with fly with me or come fly with me is is one o'clock jump on there though i think there's like a count basie you know count basie orchestra plays like one o'clock jump it's like a minute long the basie instrumental on this is making whoopee 
Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, there's, there's another one that he, I guess he did. Cause I found it somewhere, not on vinyl, uh, but where they do one o'clock jump and then Frank Sinatra comes in at the end and they start a show. But uh, anyway, great. No, that's a great get. That's a great get as well, but I'll give you 200 books. Uh, My favorite moment in that there's, there's two, one right before they start. Um, hang on, it's sort of a reality one. Oh, you're right. One o'clock jump is on here. I'm sorry. Um, I, I knew I wasn't crazy. I mean, I'm crazy, yeah. but I think I was wrong on that one. I, I keep, I always get, I always think that is the intro of uh, the tea break, which is when Frank talks to the crowd. But uh, before I've got you under my skin, Frank goes, drummer, he's leading me into this one, hopefully at the right tempo, which I think was a nice slag at the drummer because he was probably playing too fast. That, and then when he's singing to a girl in the crowd, he says, hey, honey, do you want to go grocery shopping? <laughs> Well, that's not a pickup line I think I've ever used. Like, you know, if you're grocery shopping, you say, hey, nice melons when you're in the produce aisle, you know, but that might be it. You know, I, I never asked somebody to go, want to go grocery shopping? No, that's kind of weird. Anyway, speaking of it's weird. Because it's Sinatra, though. True. Very true. Um, so speaking of weird. Grails. Yes. Yes both of them so this finding these in good condition with everything that comes with them is somehow next to impossible uh it took me months of searching to find both of these and they're in great shape they're in at least vg plus um and in (laughs) in the case of the in the case of act one Joe's Garage Act One. This is actually near mint condition. And this was a radio promo, which is hysterical. Uh, yeah, they would have never played that on the radio ever. Well, here's what it says on the sticker it says, Warning, another Zappa album. Please audition before airplay. <laughs> so, <laughs> it doesn't get better than that, you know? And this is, I mean, for me, when I, this was my introduction to Frank Zappa when I was a kid. Again, we're talking about personal grails. You can find these. These albums are out there. There's a lot of them. But finding them in good condition, different story. But for me, this is my introduction to Frank Zappa. You know, between, you know, such hallowed titles as Cruise Slut and Why Does It Hurt When I Pee? You know, these are things that when you're a 14-year-old kid, you go, <laughs> and you just remember for the rest of your life. So, yeah, that's exactly what happened with me with this album. But it made me want to look deeper into his catalog and see what other scatological humor songs he had. And he has and quite a bit. Quite a bit. But then you realize the the mountain of talented musicians that he had playing with him at one time or another, whether it be Terry Bozio on drums or, you know, Ainsley Dunbar on drums or, or Chester Thompson on drums, on drums, Chad Wackerman, uh, you know, just the drummers alone are intense. You know, Joe Travers, like all these guys that play with them. But then you have for guitar, Adrian Blue, and you have Steve Vai and you have his son, Dweezil, who's actually a really good guitar player. Incredible. And, yeah, yeah. You know, and then then uh, then other instrumentalists like Jean-Luc Ponty you know, playing violin on, on the, these obscure tracks. So for me, this was the gateway drug to the rest of Frank Zappa, which is ironic because the guy never did drugs. So right. there's that too. Um, you, you'd think somebody that weird had done some heavy hallucinogens. No, <laughs> no. He was definitely making music for people that were very sophisticated and then yeah. people that were really high. 
Yeah. But I think you're trying to do it for the Sophistos, and it turned out that they were all on LSD. Um, <laughs> go figure. But yeah, that's I think that's the last of my my personal grails that I that I that I pulled in the interest of time. But what else you got? I got I got two more. All right, let's go through those quick, and then we'll go through holy grails. Okay, I'm gonna save. Uh, I actually have three, but I'm gonna save one for the holy grails section. Great. I think I know which one it is too. This Though is my favorite. Favorite. Uh, the pet sounds one is kind of a holy grail, but now is the, all right. I got to ask you about this one. Tell me about it. Okay. So this is my favorite who album, the who sell out um, their first uh, foray into a full concept. So the idea was, it was going to be like pi the pirate radio station. They used to listen to went up, which were, you know, ships that were broadcasting rock music and things like that out in the middle of the ocean, overriding the BBC. So the first side of this really holds true to that concept. And then it sort of falls apart. It's a little <laughs> bit more thought through than, uh, than Sergeant Pepper, but uh, this is a great record in mono or stereo. This is the stereo version. Um, I do own a mono copy, but it's a reissue. I've never been able to find a mono original press. Uh, but this this record, maybe the Who's finest um, pop moments on this with like Marianne with the shaky hand. And of course, the classic I can see for Maya, um, which even Pete Townsend will tell you is an absolute masterpiece. And he's true. And he's absolutely right. Um, the only thing this is missing. They originally came with a psychedelic poster, they called it. And it said The Who, and it had all kinds of like weird orange bubbles on it and stuff. You get it with the reissue, but this original didn't have it. But this is an original stereo. So I love the uh, Odorono, uh, Daltrey sitting in the baked beans, and then you got Moon on the back with the uh, Medac cream, and then uh, John Anthwistle with a uh, smoking hot girl, which he was known for. Well, yeah, because, you know, bass player. So um, one thing about that album, though, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm right on this one. There were pressings of that album that were half mono, half stereo. That's the first I've heard of that. So it was once I was pressed mono, once I was pressed stereo, and that's a holy grail to find one of those because I think they had the wrong plate. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. Yeah, because that's 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 sixty seven, sixty eight. So it's right in the time frame where bands were doing both. Like, so you had the Beatles do a mono and a stereo of the White Album, and of Sergeant Pepper. The Kinks did a mono and a stereo of the Kinks are the Village Green. So there was band. It was that transition. Time. So that that's completely believable that they would have left the wrong plate out, uh, played on it, and and some got out with both. I literally read about that earlier today and I'm trying to find the article on it and I can't right now, but if anybody wants to look that up and correct me if I'm wrong, I really don't think I am. I'm 99% sure. And it was that weird thing. And that's one of the Holy grails. Like if you find that it was definitely not meant to do that. It was right. meant to be, you know, either mono or stereo. So uh, yeah, if you find one of those and I mean, it's hard to tell unless you play it. Exactly. Uh, that's that's why you wouldn't be able to spot it, but yeah. that's uh that that would be cool to find. Another fun fact about this is uh Roger Daltrey is in fact sitting in a tub of ice cold Heinz baked beans and he ended up getting pneumonia from this photo <laughs> shoot. Jeez. Well, there you go. Here it is. All right, uh, last one, Mike. Yes, go for it. No, I don't I don't make you jealous or anything. Oh no. What are you going to do here? But pers personal holy grail. 
You know, I hate you. Just the originals in beautiful condition. This is a first press. It's got all three albums. Kiss, Hotter Than Hell, and Dress to Kill. Plus all the inserts. Unpunched cards, the Kiss Army sticker, and the uh, book that comes with it. I hate you so much right now. I really do. So, little backstory. I've been nagging Nick for months to buy that from him. And he just refuses. He's like, go buy your own. I'm like, no, I want yours. No, and you can't have it. Now he's just like rubbing it in my face and be like, hey, buddy, look what I have and look at what you don't. Well, as somebody that has been trying to find one of these, you can see how clean this is. This yeah, will never, it it'll is. never be replicated again. I'll never find one this clean again. Ever. No, you, you're absolutely right. As it looks like it has zero ring wear, which by the way, ring wear is the wear that uh, winds up on a cover after a, a album sits in it for a long time on a shelf. It's sort of, you take it in and out and it rubs and leaves a ring and that's called ring wear. But something that's specifically native to this collection is the spine and cover of these gets destroyed because it wasn't big enough to fit everything that comes in the package. That spine is unadulterated. That is so clean. I really hate you. That is the one <laughs> that is, Oh my God. Okay. And like you're saying, you rarely ever see them in clean shape, not just because because it, it couldn't it couldn't hold all the stuff that Kit put in here. This was back when Kiss was giving you every every more than your money was worth um, with their packaging. But the yeah. jacket on this is so thin. It's basically if you look on the inside, it's like a school folder. Yeah, exactly. So, it's not even a full thickness cardboard jacket. So of that's, why they got room. that's why they got so the cutting corners, Neil Bogart from Casablanca records. Like, all right, we put out these three albums. All right. Kiss alive. One did great. Great. Let's put out all three albums again in a new package. Well, so we package. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. Oh man. That is in perfect condition. I really dislike you. Actually, the, there's a rumor that, that rush, put out did rush archives because of this it kind of followed the same thing it's the first three albums in in one package yes i don't doubt for a minute that that's why they did it i think that's i think that's where mercury got the idea for it so uh by the way i did find out uh the who sell out there were only 1000 copies in the first run of the who's third album half pressed in stereo and half mono so maybe it was half of those were pressed in stereo half of those were pressed in mono and they put it in a way where it's like half the album was stereo and half the album was mono. So I was wrong. Um, but if you find one of those rare albums with the poster, it'll go for about a thousand dollars. Yeah. I, at least because, because original stereo copies of that record, if they're clean and have the poster go for about 600 bucks. So if you, if you got one of those error copies, for sure. You're, you got, you're talking good money there. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, that is uh, our personal grails. Now let's talk about some holy grails that if you see these out in the wild and like some goober has it in their store for like $8 and you're willing to negotiate down to six to buy it from them. Yeah, you do that. Actually, you just give them the $8 and you run, run, run fast. Yeah, I was going to say that doesn't happen too much anymore because of the well, internet, but it does not. But once in a while, it does happen, especially with misprints. 
people overlook misprints like kiss alive Two, for example there's a there's you know a song that's actually left off of the cover um you know as as a misprint um things like that it doesn't i mean it ups the value a bit but not tremendously yet it's a nice collectible not a holy grail though these are holy grails so we talked about personal grails these are holy grails albums that are thousand dollars and to hundreds of thousands of dollars is what they're worth and if you find one of these grab it if you can uh at a deal of course unless of course you want to blow your money on this first if one you i want got to the money get it yeah first one i want to mention was the first led zeppelin record now the first led zeppelin record everybody knows it it's got the iconic you know uh dirigible you know the the the, high, the hindenburg is exploding on the cover etc and so forth with orange lettering across the top that says led zeppelin the first issues of those album, the first pressings of those albums, the lettering was actually turquoise. And Led Zeppelin hated it. <laughs> yes. Yes, very much so. They hated it. They hated it so much. They said, no, this sucks. We want orange. So I don't know how many were printed initially like that. I know it wasn't that many. And you could find them out in the wild, but you're not going to find them for about a less than a thousand dollars that's a collectible the, the album is the same it's just the cover is different because of that turquoise turquoise lettering so that is what i consider to be a holy grail also to on, on that led zeppelin one uh train there is also dj white label copies of that record that are that are a mono mix that are only available as that it's never been reissued yep and that's the only way that you can find it. And that would, I don't even know what those are worth. It's got to be even more than the thousand dollars for the, for the turquoise lettering model. Uh, next one I want to mention, and you may actually have this one in your collection somewhere, David Bowie, diamond dogs. Now, uh, again, I don't have these things here because I can't afford them, but everybody knows the diamond dogs. If you're into classic rock or David Bowie at all, you know, the diamond dogs album cover, it's, uh, like an airbrushed art cover, with the top half of David Bowie being David Bowie and the bottom half of David Bowie being a dog. And that yes. was on the side of the album, which is fine. And around the genitalia area, it's darkened in. So you don't see any like, you know, sticking out or anything. Well, the first issue of those wasn't darkened in, you know, you, you saw a, a hung canine David Bowie from the waist down. And uh, those albums were pulled and some made it out in the wild not many but those and again the only thing that's different is the cover if you could find one of those and it, or if you have one of those in your collection worth upwards of thirty five hundred dollars today thirty five hundred dollars i have one and there you go see so why don't you and give I that yeah. it, it that that with the with with the genitals as added like if you get the bowie box set i forget which which one it is the i think it's where can i or who can i be now 74 to 76 it was replicated on that jacket so if you get if you get the box set version it has the original artwork on it but it's not the original pressing therefore it's not worth Correct. nearly as much as the original it's got to be that original pressing of it uh next one velvet underground and nico now, many of you know what I'm talking about here. It's the iconic cover uh, of the white cover done by Andy Warhol with the banana on it. And if you've never seen one of those albums before, you'd be like, all right, cool. It's an Andy Warhol picture, of, you know, painting of a banana. However, if you know anything about that record, you know that you could peel that banana. 
(laughs) And, you know, that was the allure of it. It was sort of like this interactive sort of cover. Finding those in original condition without the peeled banana, because that banana was like a sticker, right? Yep. You could just put anywhere. And a lot of people peeled it off and put the sticker wherever. And those are going anywhere from $2,500 to $3,000 today. With the banana. You got to have the sticker on there. You can't not. It's got to be an unpeeled sticker. I well, think and the thing is, a lot of them they they can't peel anymore. Now they've sat on the cover so long, yeah. you'd end up ripping the the cover in half. So yeah. if, if you, or sometimes you see them like we've had them come through the store where they are original pressings on Verve, where it's like half the banana's peeled, yeah. or the banana was peeled and then placed back on there, but it was placed on there crooked. You know things like that. So yeah, finding one that's been completely unaltered is 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 uh is nuts and it's very rare and the other thing to say about that record is it blows <laughs> well you could say that but there was a quote that went like yeah thirty thousand people bought that album and all of those thirty thousand people started a band all of them better than the velvet underground probably i'm not a velvet un- underground fan but if i had one of those records in my collection I'd hold on to it for sure. Now, I think there was also a variant of that one that had a purple banana. Am I, I, I want to say there was, I could be completely wrong, but I thought there was like a purple sticker as well in printings or what. Yeah. I'm not sure about that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, that's record again, like saying it's not worth what it's, what the original presses are worth, but there are reissues that have replicated the peelable banana. And I know people are very excited about that. When I used to uh, post in vinyl groups all the time, when I was spinning stuff, you know, I'd be like, Oh, I'm listening to this or I'm listening to this. And the idea would be to not just to like only say a few words about it. And one time I put that record on, cause I do have it in my collection you have to, you know, it's one of those records where everybody has one, you know, and I posted, I put this on once a year to make sure I still don't get it. <laughs> well, then there's this comment from the audience. I pay $3,500 for someone to take my copy. I raise my hand. Give me your copy and $3,500. I'm in. There you go. Thank you. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Great. Moving on. Now, this one is um, you'll see these every now and again online. More of a number one holy grail. So it's the Beatles yesterday and today. And do you have do you have a version of the reissue? Yeah, I've got I've got a bootleg one. Okay. So the reissue, you know, was just like the four of them on the cover and it's a nice, you know, Beatles cover. That's not what the original cover was. The original cover were they were all wearing lab coats and they had meat on them, like literally pieces of meat strewn about them. And they were all holding headless baby dolls and all smiling for the camera. Like, hey, demented. Completely demented, which I'm like, yeah, horns up on that for both of them. Now, seven close to Lennon is stoned out of his mind. They all are whacked out of their mind on that one. Now, the the record company had put out 750,000 copies of this album and paid $250,000 to get them all back (laughs) because people freaked out about it. However, some made it out. To the wild, those go for an average of ten to fifteen thousand dollars for those records. 
10 to $15,000 for a copy. Now, postscript to that, they got the records back and they didn't make new covers. They just put stickers with the new cover over the top of the old album. And if you have one of those, I think there's something that goes like on the right hand side, you can kind of see Ringo coming through. You can see Ringo's lapel of his lab coat. Yeah, is, coming because he's got a dark shirt on under the lab coat. I think it's a black turtleneck. So you can yeah. see the black coming through and then the shape of his lab coat because yeah. like you're saying, they paste over. And then even after that, they were still using that, that, um, that, Net, the new photo, the replacement photo, was still being used as a paste over. So there's still confusion there because you'll you'll see one and you'll go, "Oh, this is a paste over," but it's you still see, it's not. It doesn't have the butch underneath. Yeah, you got to make sure that you can see Ringo's like half of Ringo's shirt with the black coming through the white with the lapel and everything, and you can see it. I have seen one. You can see it. You have to look, but it's not like it's something you could see across the room. I mean, you have to like examine it, but just because it, it has Nick's right. If it just has a sticker on it, that doesn't automatically make it. So you need to be able to see that, that original cover kind of seeping through the white background that's, that's on the sticker. But if that's the case and you have a stickered version, those are still like 2,500 bucks, especially if it's unpeeled. Yep. And some people try to peel them off. And what happens? It rips and tears because it's been on there for 50 whatever years. So, yeah, don't don't peel it. Just it is what it is, man. <laughs> there's <laughs> there's a guy. Um, his name's uh, Tom Gilardi. He's a kind of a little bit of a local legend. He's probably in his late 70s at this point. But he still goes to record stores and consignments for local bands. You know, if you want to get your record into all these stores, he'll go around, put it in for you because he's got all these relationships with, with all the stores. And he worked for Capitol Records at the time of that coming out. And he was one of the guys who was tasked with going to all the stores and buying the records back. And, and he's to he told before, like he was, a I think he was like 20 at the time or whatever. He's like, I'm driving around in my car and I had like 500 copies of that in my trunk and now here they are you know 10 to 15 grand a piece you know it's one of those if i only knew that then you know he'd, he'd be a retired man right now but yeah he he he's actually given me a copy of the letter the capital sent to all the uh all stores apologizing for the offensive cover and explaining that they were going to take them back and and re replace the product not everybody can be Biff Tanner uh, from, you know, back to the future with the, with the book of everything that happened through 2040, you know, <laughs> on every sports event. So unfortunately we don't have foresight. All we have is hindsight. So um, cool. Next one up Prince, the black album. Good luck finding an original of that, a, a legit version. There are bootlegs out there. Tons of them, tons of them. Um, Prince put out the album, they released the album, and then supposedly in the substance-induced haze said, no, those all got to come back. Take them all back. Yep, and I hate it. I hate it. I don't want it out there. And so the Warner Brothers took, found them and took them back. Um, but that was supposedly, you know, I've never heard it. I'll be honest. I've never heard it. I know this. It's always been like one of those like mythical features of music for me. Never heard it. Never seen one. Only have read about it. And that's about it. So maybe you have some more insight than I do. 
I have a bootleg, but because um, as you said, I mean, it's been that that's one of the most bootlegged records ever because of the mythology on it. It's okay. You know, it's not, it's, there's nothing groundbreaking prints on it you know it's it's uh it's great because it's prince i mean i don't think the guy made a bad record it's solid it's good material but in terms of you know stacking up against his greatest it doesn't even come close that's my opinion um but when you talk about being a record collector or the scarcity of that uh, you're hard pressed to find another album that has the the status that that one does yeah, exactly. It's it's one of those that if you find one, it's most likely a bootleg. And if it's not, you're one of the luckiest album collectors on the planet. Like that, that'll that'll put your kids through at least a year of college. Those go well, depending on the college. Um, but th- those albums it, are worth anywhere from twenty five thousand to forty thousand dollars today. So yeah, there was a there was a guy just after just right after past that he worked for Warner Brothers and he had five sealed promo copies and i think he sold three of them and a couple of them were for undisclosed amounts it was like like the cheapest one which had like corner dings and stuff i think somebody had paid 50 grand for so the two that were mint i can you know they were got a guy 75 80 one thing before we get to what i put down as the number one um as far as value there are other ones out there that are not lps like that you know, that uh, that um, uh, Wu-Tang Clan album that the asshead from the pharmaceutical company that ripped off a whole bunch of old people bought for a million dollars. And, uh, you know, that's a grail, too. But at the same time, th- it came with like a contract <laughs> that right. literally part of the contract. And I love this. I need to mention this was that the Wu-Tang Clan at any time has one chance to steal the record back from the owner can plan a caper to steal it back from the owner. Like it just stupid, crazy stuff that went along with owning that record. It's great. You know? Yeah. But he had to give that up as like, you know, pat- collateral paying back people and his lawyers and what have you. So screw that guy. Um, and but there's tons, there's tons of things like um, the original blue note, releases you know hank mobley records and and uh you know original press john coltrane records you know these these records are if if you have clean copies of these records you're talking two thousand bucks a hit you know and and they make great reissues of these records now acoustic sounds makes fantastic uh you know affordable reissues about 50 60 bucks you can get an all analog copy of love supreme but if you've got a legit you know hank mobley soul station that's that's huge money so it's not no we're talking specifically a rock and and sort of marquee artists here with zeppelin and the beatles and such but those some of those jazz records it's it's unbelievable and 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 when you hear them it's it's understandable because i don't think there's ever been better recorded music than some of those those jazz titles from blue note yeah and at the same time though you're right i mean it's not just about rock but the reason it is mainly about rock is because that's what people bought and what people collected. And there, you know, uh, by that token, there's a collectability aspect that goes along with demand. So Hank Mobley is known to you and I, but maybe not to the average listener. And therefore it's like, Oh, I don't even know. But John Coltrane, you know, obviously more people know Miles Davis. I mean, like, you know, kind of blue mono, like that that's worth money too. So, you know, find, 
and never mind it being a grail of an album as it is, we yes. named it one of the albums that you need to have in your collection. Uh, but if you have an original pressing from whatever it was, 58 or whatever it was when it came out, you know, you, you got something there for sure. I mean, it's, it's money. Um, as far as money though, as far as like money, money, money we're talking money, money. Uh, we talked about the black album by Prince. Let's talk about the white album by the Beatles. Now, many of us have that album in yep. many different permutations. I have it on vinyl. I bought the reissue, you know, like the six CD and, and Blu-ray DVD set. And, you know, with the 5.1 mixes and everything, a couple of years back, I got that as a gift. Actually, it's fantastic. Yes. Absolutely amazing. Probably their masterpiece, apart from a few songs that really should never have made it onto the album, like Wild Honey Pie. Just saying, or good, and, or good night for that matter. We've discussed this before, and both of those made it onto this song sucks. But with that said, the original printings all were serialized, they were had serial numbers, okay? And they began with the letter A, and then there was like seven digits after that, or whatever. And I think one I have is like three or four hundred thousand or whatever it is, as far as the serial number, which is in this day and age actually kind of low in comparison to how many they've yeah, sold. Right. Right. However, what was it? A zero 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 one sold just a couple of years ago for seven hundred and ninety thousand dollars. Seven hundred and ninety thousand dollars. And who a little asterisk there? Yep. Well, who owned that album? This is the asterisk. Who owned that album? Ringo Starr. <laughs> So the first four records, one through three and four, went to Paul, Gene, Ringo, and, and, and George. So Ringo had number one and kept it in a safe for three decades. And never then, opened it. Never opened which it. Tells, which tells you what he thought of the White Album. Well, I mean, he sang Good Night on it. That song sucks. It still sucks. quit the band sucked. in the middle of it, too. Yeah, well, because he sucked. So um, anyway, look. You and I have a problem with drummers here. I mean, Peter Chris, not a great drummer. Ringo Starr, not a great drummer. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah. John Bonham, great drummer. Okay, you can have that tattoo. That's fine. And look, Peter Chris was okay for, for, for Kiss. Ringo Starr got progressively worse as the Beatles went on. Shut up. We can't have this. Are you? You're out of your, you're out of your mind, but let's, let's talk about this though. Cause here's something I've always wondered, especially when this, this came up for auction. Yeah. I want to know how Ringo got number one. He was probably the first one there going, oh, mate, I need to leave. Can I have me album? And like, they just gave it to him. Like, get out of here. Go kid. Uh, yeah. that's probably how that happened. Or he was the first one to the box. I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Cause George, George Martin had number five too. Yeah, there you go. So one, two, three, four, and the fifth Beatle got number five. Makes a lot of sense. Right? So yeah, 790,000. Now, obviously there's only four first four. There's only one number five, right? But there's a lot of double-digit albums out there. Obviously, there's 95 others. <laughs> number 23 sold, I forget exactly when, but I think that went for like twenty-three or $24,000. Mm -hmm. So, And if you find anything in the hundreds, it's still worth $1,000 in that neighborhood. If you find something sub 10000 it's still worth a few hundred bucks. Lower The lower the serial number, the more it's worth. But caveat you need to have the posters and pictures and everything intact it needs to be intact it's got to be in good condition otherwise it's just like every other version out there where there's so many of them 
so many of them it's pedestrian so yeah i mean you're talking you're talking about the white album you know this yeah. isn't like this isn't there's 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 nothing secretive about this so like yeah. you're saying most of the time you see those copies of the white album they're they're well loved and they're well played and people put those posters on their those pictures on the wall and, and and that's part of the collectability of it that's part of yeah. what makes it so special is is having the complete package you need to have the complete package i mean you know let, let's think about some of the other albums that just sold like crazy like people like i got an og of the eagles greatest hits or i got an og of thriller well yes. so everyone everybody has one of those and there weren't There's a, a comment you know there's a comment in the section, uh, the comment section here that says the flame cover. So what he's referring to is the flame cover of Leonard Skinner's Street Survivors. So if you ask the general public, this is the rarest record of all time. And if you want the backstory of it is obviously everybody knows the Leonard Skinner plane crash happened. And it was about three or four dates into the tour, which Street survivors comes with a tour insert. So you can actually figure out exactly when it was, um, and the guy that's on fire, Steve Gaines, great, amazing guitar player from Leonard Skinner, he's on fire on the cover. He's one of the people that died in the plane crash. So the family requested that that record be pulled and it be issued with new artwork. So it was issued with a, just a standard black cover. But to your point, the same thing that you're saying about Thriller or the White Album or whatever – this album had What's Your Name on it. It had that smell. Both of those were single mass success for both of those songs. That record sold like 200,000 copies before they pulled it. So I got, those, I got one of those Street Survivors original LP. I bought it in the 99 cent bin. See, this is what I'm saying. But you constantly have people that think these records are the ton of money, which they can be. If they're they can, clean. They can be. Michael Jackson Thriller is another one because he's dead. So people assume that it's worth a ton of money. And that Leonard Skinner one is another example where people come in and they go, you know what I have? And I'm like, I already know what they're going to say because the way they set it up, I'm like, you're going to tell me you have Leonard Skinner Street Survivors. And nine times out of 10, I'm right. And you have to go, unless that thing's sealed, which maybe if it's sealed, you could get a hundred bucks for it. But it, a regular copy of it it's like twenty dollars it's not it's not yeah. very rare and it's, it, obviously it's tragic circumstances of why that why that yeah. that happened but uh yeah people people do they think that's like the rarest rarest record that you can find out in the wild yeah yeah it's it's by far it's not and you know rare records holy true holy grails like the ones we mentioned there's lists of them and believe me we just scratched the surface with this it's not I've got one i want to show we, yeah, we'll talk about them, but, but literally, like, there are so many of them in different genres, different types. I mean, I found a list of 40, and I'm like, well, that's still scratching the surface. You know, it's a good reference point. Anything that we talked about today, you'll find anywhere, like, in YouTube videos and what have you. None of that is, like, we, we're not, like, keeping secrets and we're, like, letting you in on secrets. The thing is, though, you don't know if you don't know. So, right. it's, and it's important to look for these things if you're a collector and you want to find these Look for those, look in the dead wax and go on discogs and find out which ones are the you know, original presses and look for the misprints, look for things like that, that'll, you know, that you could find it maybe at a garage sale or like, you know, some sort of church social or wherever it is that you spend your time once in a while at Goodwill, you may get lucky very rarely these days. 
Um, but you know, you could find the, some of these, some of them out in the wild. I'm sure you're not going to find the black album by Prince at a church social. Um, no, I don't think so. Or anywhere for that matter. But you say you have one more Holy grail. So what you got? I think it's a, I think it's a Holy grail. I mean, you see a lot of, a lot of, uh, LP collectors specifically that talk about this and I'll explain why this is Led Zeppelin two. I know exactly what you're going to say. This is the famous Robert Ludwig hot mix. Yep. So Robert Ludwig, again, like I mentioned, Bernie Grudman, when I was talking about the uh, Hendrix release, Bernie Grudman, Kevin Gray, Bob Ludwig, these guys are, are the top, the, the, the elite mastering engineers. He cut this early in his career when it was new. This is an original Zeppelin II. So it was cut by him, and it was cut hot. So what was happening uh, was people were getting it home. They were putting it on their turntable, and it was causing needles to jump and the arms to, to move, and, and uh, most systems handle it. So they, not a lot of them may, were, were left. People were returning them and getting a new copy, which was issued with a, with a quieter mix. Still sounds great. It's the one we know and love. But this one is a different listen this is a, a straight ball crushing rock and roll mix of this record or mastering it of this record it is, it is a hot 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 mix and what and that's great you find it there's it's very small but it's in the dead wax you see his initials rl M, yeah rl yep. so on side one and side two, but here's here's the crazy thing. I'm gonna cover up the surname so nobody sees it. But I paid twelve ninety nine for this. Wow. Okay. Hate you again. <laughs> I will instantly double your money. I will buy that from you for twenty six dollars. As a giant Led Zeppelin fan, I for that forever, and I feel I deserve to have it. Well, then I deserve to have Kiss the Originals. Nope, because I'm a giant. I'm a bigger Kiss fan too. Oh my god, there's just no winning with you. There's no winning with I, you. I, you know, I mean, I, I've been in the game a long time, Mike, and you had you had a, like a forty year head start on me. So. Yeah, but uh, that doesn't mean anything. I don't think you had a forty year head start. That would make you seventy. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. <laughs> Damn you. I mean, I'm older than you, but I'm not dirt. So, not to say anybody who's seventy is dirt, but you know. Still, dude, give me a break. Come on. You're not that much older than me. No. You gotta have oh, 20 years I'm significantly me. older than you, but I, <laughs> I think I'm 20 years older than you. So anyway, um, and there's some other things you know that we didn't talk about. I'm sure everybody has their own picks, like you know, Tom Petty Wildflowers, like that's a big one. I've got really one of those too. Of record. Uh the you mentioned the Ozzy Osbourne box set. That's like a fifteen hundred dollar item these days. You know, the the there's there's some special edition things like the KISS Vault. You know, that, that. that's thousands of dollars at this point. I know you do. And Uncle Gene comes and signs it for you and everything. Because when you buy the Kiss Vault, you're buying a piece of Kiss. And Kiss is priceless. But we put a price on it. And that price was forty nine ninety nine. Yeah, and by forty nine ninety nine you mean four thousand nine hundred and ninety nine dollars. Which is a deal when you think about it, you get Kiss forever in a vault. It's amazing. It's outstanding. Christine 16, not a creepy song. 
So wasn't it, uh, wasn't it incredible too in the Kisteria vault how they managed? It? I think tag price on that thing when it came out was like eighteen, nineteen hundred bucks, and it came in an actual Anvil road case. You got a certificate signed by Paul and Gene, a slip mat, blah blah blah, plus all the, the entire Kiss catalog. And when I say the entire Kiss catalog, I'm talking every entire. greatest hits compilation, all the solo albums, all oh, the yeah, classic I- albums everything with with all the original inserts and stuff so as a kiss fan that was awesome yeah but how about how they managed to say there's going to be seven there's going to be six exclusive releases in this box set you know what the exclusive releases are double platinum greatest kiss kiss killers smashes trashes and hits and uh and uh great uh, the uh what's the other comp that i'm trying to think of basically what i'm trying to say is all of the exclusives to that set are greatest hits compilations which they're now issuing individually so give it up to kiss for being kiss i have all the originals now so but you don't have kiss the originals no i don't because some idiot won't sell it to me so but i do have everything including sonic boom on lp now though i will admit my sonic boom it's a boot, but I, it's a filler. But I can say I have all the studio albums on LP. Everything else is legit. But the only way I'm getting Sonic Boom is if I pony up $800 for like a lemon green version or whatever. Which is crazy. That was another one where they did they did a thousand of each color of that. And they sat on kissonline.com forever at like $20 yep. or 25 yep. bucks. And exactly. then all of a sudden they were gone under $1,000 a piece. Yep. <laughs> Insane. And people, I have all five. It's four grand. Like, wow. Okay. Um, and frankly, it's, you know, I actually listened to it. I got it the uh, other day. Shut up. I actually listened to it the other day. Shut up, Roger. And it's not a terrible album. It's not a great album. It's not a good one either. <laughs> not. It's not a good one either. But I mean, do I put it, you know, as low on the list as say Asylum? No. Uh, oh, I don't think that's fair. I think Asylum for for its time is is unstoppable. All right, we're gonna have to do like Kiss albums ranked one episode. We'll we'll do that. We'll, we'll have Ducky talk. on. We'll have Ducky on for that one. Oh, God, more people. So anyway, hang on, I gotta yell at my dog. There we go. I just yelled at my dog. All right, cool. Well, that is that's Grails and Holy Grails. We got a couple of other segments here, and then we're going to say goodnight to y'all. I know that y'all have been waiting for these segments. By the way, thank you for those of you that have been putting silly comments in the in the in the in the comments column. Uh, really appreciate you that uh, the four of you that are still around. So we got another maybe ten minutes here. We're going to move on to the next segment, which is the reason why this is called Covered to Covered. It's called. Oh, my dog is licking water, not peeing on the floor. Okay. This segment is called Discovered, where we discuss a cover that is as good, if not better, than the original. So this this week, it just, you know, I, I've been on a Beatles thing. We've been on a Beatles thing, just talking about it here. Like every episode, the Beatles come up. And instantly, the th- first thing that popped in my head was, who did a great, <laughs> shut up! <laughs> shut Love up my- shutting up mugsy get up shit nip uh instantly i thought of you know who did a great beatles cover better than the beatles that's a tough one but what came to my mind was what beetle what beatles song did they do as a cover better than the original 
And the first thing that popped in my head was the Beatles version of Twist and Shout. Yeah. Which absolutely blows away any other version of that song. Now, a lot of people think the Beatles wrote and did, no, they did not write that song. They weren't even the second band to do that song. They were the third band to do that song. Everybody's like, well, yeah, the Isley brothers did it first. Nope. It was a band, a band called the Top Notes. Who ever heard of them? I've never heard of them. Uh, you know, never, ever, ever, ever heard of them. But the Top Notes did it first. Then the Isley Brothers made it popular. And then the Beatles came in and did the rollicking version of it. And like, you know, the whole story goes, John Lennon was sick when, when they sang it. That's why he's got that very raspy voice because they had to record seven songs in a day to complete that album. There were only four songs recorded prior. They had to finish the album. They finished the album, seven songs in about nine hours. Yeah. And John Lennon was sick. And that was one of the last songs they did. And he just like basically blew out his voice essentially while finishing up that song. And then subsequently they would play it live and they can only play it every three shows. Cause in order for John Lennon to sing it like that, he would blow out his voice. <laughs> so they couldn't play it every show. So yeah, that would be my vote for this week's discovered. And I, everybody knows that version of it, whether you're a fan of the Beatles or a fan of Ferris, Ferris Bueller's day off or, you know, which made it go back up to number one again, like after that movie came out. So it, it's kind of crazy that that song just keeps coming back and back and back again. So that's my vote for this week's discovered is the Beatles version of twist and shout. That's a great, that's a great call. Um, there's that great footage of uh, Beatles in of the, queen and all that and when john says clap your hands if you know the song and if and if you don't just rattle your jewelry and they play <laughs> twist and shout that's it's great moment and another beatles cover this isn't my pick but another great beatles cover with john singing his ass off is their version of please mr postman oh yeah he's, he's that too absolutely i agree so what is so your cover my cover this week um i saw one of my favorite uh, songwriters, musicians of our time, the great and highly underappreciated Joe Jackson uh, this past Monday in Ann Arbor. And uh, he, all of his records are fantastic, up to his newest one uh, called Fool. But uh, something that came out on a, on a bonus 7-inch a couple years ago, or a 45, was a fantastic cover Joe Jackson did of Steely Dan's Night by Night. Uh, oh, wow. Great, great version of that song. It's not easy to replicate Lee Dan put some twist on it and he managed to do both. It stays true to the Steely Dan thing, but it's got a couple things that happen in the middle that make it still Joe Jackson. Um, so that would be my pick. I, I think that smokes the original. That's the one I go to the most. And uh, again, I know I know my opinion doesn't hold a ton of weight, but I think Joe Jackson's one of the most underappreciated musicians ever. Well, uh, speaking of Joe Jackson and people who appreciate him, we know Anthrax appreciates Joe Jackson yeah. because Anthrax, for you metal fans, the song Got the Time is a Joe Jackson song. And the Joe Jackson version is faster. Which is kind of funny to think, though the Anthrax version is heavier. Let's let's yes, be honest. Yeah. And I do prefer Anthrax's version just because, you know, horns up. It's Anthrax. It's Queens. It's, you know chug 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 on the right hand so right. yeah you guys want to check out another really cool cover that's it we have uh, uh here we go somebody says what about his cover of junkie girl so oh, that's a that's a walter becker solo song because we thought he was going to play night that that's goldfish by the way he's commenting i know, that. Um, I know. um 
when he was introduced in the cover the other night, he brought up Steely Dan and we were like, cool, he's going to play night by night. And then he went on to say he wanted to do this Walter Becker solo song, which he felt that Walter Becker's solo output was better than anything Donald Fagan had done, which I thought was nuts considering the night flies, one of the greatest records ever. But so he plays this song junkie girl that I had never heard. And uh, it was, it was a great tune and uh, it was really great seeing Joe do it. Cause I thought that that could have been uh, my for the cover being better than the original. Cause Joe's Jackson's version was definitely better than the original. Excuse me. Shut up. Okay. I feel better. Great. Now, moving on to our next most favorite topic, most favorite segment that nobody else has on their podcast because we do. And it is called This Song Sucks. 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 And This Song Sucks is essentially, for those of the uninitiated, it is a song by a great, great band. But this song just freaking sucks. It's just why, why? Just why did they do it in the first place? And the example we always bring up as the best example ever, and it will be the number one always, Mother by the police of synchronicity. The why, why? So if you have never heard the synchronicity album, or maybe it's that song that you skip all the time, Go back and listen to it, and you'll understand why we have this segment. It's for songs like that. Now, Goldfish is a big fan of that song, by the way. Well, there you go, and that makes a lot of sense. So it explains a ton about Goldfish, not the animal, the person, and not the <laughs> cookie or the cracker, the person. That is what we are talking about right now. So with that said, we both have picked songs that suck by bands that don't that's essentially it that's the gist of this and i went first last time so i'm going to let you go first this time what song sucks so this week we, we've been talking about the who a lot so i went with a who song who who i do love i love all their output even some of the 80s stuff that people don't like like eminence front and and you better you bet i love those songs my pick is joined together by the who really not a fan it goes uh, it's another one just like i brought up with i mean mine a couple weeks ago it goes nowhere you're still wrong about that i'm not though for this same reason and i actually saw the who unfortunately play it live a couple years ago when they were here and when they finished pete townsend went up to the mic and he's like you know, if somebody would have told me I'd, I'd still have to play that piece of shit 50 years later, I wouldn't have written it. Well, then obviously he hates it. You hate it, but everybody else likes it. That's why they still play it. I hate it. He doesn't like it, and he wrote the song. So that's good enough for me. I hate that song. It doesn't go anywhere. It just says join together in the band a million times. I really, you know, I really question why I do this podcast sometimes with you because, you know, you're an intelligent guy, you know, a lot about music and it just turns out that your taste is squarely in your mouth. It just is like, it's just, that's, that's it. It's like you, 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 like you say, oh, what's going on here? L let me eat an anus and then like spit it back out and let it be, you know, scripture. No, that's not what it is. Join Together is not a song that sucks. You are wrong. I Mean Mine is not a song that sucks. You are wrong. 
Okay. And just one day, one day you'll wake you, up. Didn't you pick, didn't you pick going to raise hell by cheap trick in a previous episode? You're wrong. Sucks. It's nine That's minutes. It of does not suck. It's, no, it doesn't. Look, it's a bad version of I was made for loving you done slower and crappier and That's nine not even minutes in the same long. key. It's the same progression. Go listen to it. It's not the same. It is. Can we it's, go to this before you go any further? I want what is Goldfish talking about here with twang, twang, twang on the mouth heart? He's talking about join together. Twang, 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 twang. Oh, right, right. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'll give you that. The juice harp is not necessarily something that needs to be in the song. Like, all right, you're you're a Brit rock band. Come on, let let's be real. So I'll I give you. I thought he was bringing up CCR, but see, I can't pick a CCR song because they saw the time. I'm not even going to argue that one with you. That's I'll let you have that one. That's that. That's fine. Um, yeah. And in fact, he even chimes in. Yeah, that's super annoying. You know what else is super annoying? You. <laughs> so no, uh, Pat. All right. So now this is where things are going sideways. I didn't say Cheap Trick sucks. Cheap Trick is a great band that did a crappy song called "Gonna Raise Hell." "Gonna Raise Hell" is a crappy song. No, I'm sorry. It's not. It's terrible. It's terrible. It go. You want to talk about a song that goes nowhere. It has words for the first three minutes. And then the last six is like a bad disco remix. Why it's is it a Tom, bad disco remix? No tempo change. It's good when you were all blown out on blow at studio 54. I want to listen to a band play the same chord over and over and over again. I'll go listen to sleep or high on fire. Like that's that stoner rock. That's where that belongs. Not on a nine minute cheap trick song. Now cheap trick. If you're watching and you want to come on the show, I'm very sorry. Uh, you can come up. We could discuss going to raise hell. Rick Nielsen, Xander, uh, you know, Robin Xander. Look, if you want to come on the show, all good. Come on on. We'll, we'll discuss it. And I will reiterate to you that I do not like that song, but Plus, somebody picked the flame, and that's even more ridiculous. That was a bit. That was not my call. I and I argued against that because the flame is actually a great. I like it for all the reasons he hated. It's a great song. It's a great, it's a great song. They didn't write it, so there you go. Um, you know. Anyway, so gonna raise hell sucks. Rest of cheat trick. Really love it. Uh, great. Now my song. My song. Little background on this one. Uh, last week, again, I, as I mentioned, I was on the road. I was out with my boss. And every time that he and I go out, we try to, we're out for a week together and we spend a lot of windshield time in the car. And there's a lot of time to kill in between visiting stores that we're visiting. So we always do like a retrospective. We go through a band's entire catalog. All right. We've done um, David Lee Roth era Van Halen. We've done Tool. We've done a bunch of different things. And I said, What do you want to do this week? And he said, Metallica. I said, okay, fine. I said, I think I can hang in there for the first five albums. <laughs> we'll see what happens after that. So we got through the first five albums and then we hit load. And then we hit reload. <laughs> I was going to say, then you hit reload. I'm like, wow, this is now, mind you, the last time I listened to all of load was when I bought the album back in 95 or 96, whenever it came out, I, I midnight at tower records, I went, I bought the album and I, they were playing ain't my bitch like through the loudspeakers. I'm like, all right, I can hang with this. And, some, and somebody, somebody that heard the album already said, yeah, that's about it. I'm like, oh, well, that's 
kind of disappointing. <laughs> so got it, the, the cassette, threw the cassette in the car, listened to it, drove around the neighborhood for a little while until like one o'clock in the morning. I'm like, wow, this, this is not good. I'm going to have to listen to this again tomorrow. And that was the last time I listened to it. You like, thought I, maybe you were just tired? Maybe. Like, let's let's see if this gets better. All right. So went through that, suffered through that whole album. Went through Reload. I was depressed by the time that album was done. And then comes Stanger. I mean, Sane Anger. Now, mind you that our consensus of all the albums, we went through all 10 studio records, right? Load and reload were tied for the worst. Now, why? Well, I can't stand St. Anger, but they tried to be heavier on St. Anger. Just the production was so god-awful on St. Anger, so bad, that it, it really brought down some of the songs. So they tried to be heavier. However, the worst songs of those three albums are on St. Anger. Okay? Just the the collection of songs on load and reload are even worse in the aggregate. That's why those two are lower. So with that said, from St. Anger, I went with Invisible Kid. Oh, God. That song is, is absolutely terrible. That, that song is the definition of this segment. So, so bad. Invisible Kid. I went on a skid. Drop my Has you ever seen what he did or something? Bid. I placed a bid and then I named my girl Sid. Like, no, just stop I was, it. I was 12 when that record came out, and I knew I knew it sucked even at age 12. It's like that this is not, this is not good. So bad. So bad, so incredibly bad. Metallica, if you're listening, if you happen to be watching us, if you'd like to come on, we're very sorry. But the song sucks. The song sucks. The song just really, really sucks. I'm sorry to offend. We went with this with Kirk Hammett and his wah as well. Kirk, again, sorry. If you want to come on anytime, more than welcome to state your case. I'll have you on. Look, I love Metallica. I love the first five albums. First four and a half albums. Yeah, it was... <laughs> You know, and and then like load, uh, reload, uh, and the same anger. God damn that snare drum! Yeah, so bad. The worst snare drum recording ever on the planet of any snare drum ever recorded ever in any studio. Like, how did a guy like Bob Rock sign off on that? Like, how was he okay with his name being on something that sounded like that? Because he played it's bass so on it. awful. He but played bass I did. He's. Still, that doesn't make it okay. I mean, somebody needs to be like, is is Lars that big of like an egomaniac that nobody yes. can go, hey man, that Pretty sounds like dog shit. And Bob Rock was probably too busy counting his money. You know, like, oh, excuse me one second. I'm sorry. Does that sound? Yes. Yeah, it sounds great. Excuse me. I'm up to two, 200 million. Excuse me. Like, it was so, so bad a production. But if you look underneath that, they tried to be heavier. They did like, you know, C-sharp tunings and tried to be heavier with things. Just that the the snare sound doesn't help Lars's playing at all. I mean, his playing is, he's another one that got worse as time went on. I'm sorry. Lars Ulrich's playing. If you listen to Kill Em All and progressively, he went from Kill Em All to Ride the Lightning to Master of Puppets to Injustice for All to the Black Album to Load. 
like just to today where it's just just bad and while death magnetic I, we'll get into metallica another day but while death magnetic and, and hardwired to self-destruct are actually not terrible you know it's still not good because it's like the same beats like lars knows three beats at this point and that's it but saint anger and that song can go eat a dick it's just terrible that song sucks i am so, so frantic what's head so does frantic yeah it sounds like dun, 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 dun. kill 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 tick tock tick tock tick tock shut up yeah, it's awful Frantic was number two. That was my backup. Frantic was my Just, back. You were prepared in case I picked Invisible Kid. How could you not? That song is just so bad. It's just so bad. It's so incredibly bad. And Patty, oh, don't even mess with Metallica, right? You know what? I'm messing with Metallica in this case because even you have to admit that song sucks. It's Absolutely. Terrible. It's awful. You think I'm passionate about that? <laughs> I think you're selling it quite well. Yeah, I, I should not be selling. I'm afraid to even put it on the freaking playlist. Like embarrassed to putting it, putting it on a this song sucks playlist. It makes gonna raise hell sound good. Well, that's because it is. Oh my god, shut up! All right, ladies and gentlemen, I think we're done for the night. <laughs> We are done with all of our segments. Anybody have any questions? No, no extra comments, no extra questions, no nothing. Well, I'll leave you with this. VG plus, VG plus. 40 books. 40 books. It's a UK press vertigo. 40 books. <laughs> but... Anyway, with all that said, we'll. Uh, I think we can be back next week. I'm in town. Are you around next week? Can we do this next week? Yes. Great. Awesome. So we're going to do this next week. Same bad time, set, the same bad channel right here. 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern next Wednesday, which will be the 25th. Yeah, the 25th. We'll come up with a topic. I may have a guest star. I may have a guest next week that may join us. I'll talk to you about it later. But uh, in the meantime, thank you so much for showing up. This audio will soon be on uh, the cover to covered.com uh, available as a podcast, which you'll be able to find at Apple Podcasts and on Spotify as well. If you want to listen to the audio only version, just to relive everything that we just did, we'd love to have you do that. Please again, subscribe, hit like all those other things. And uh, Nick say goodbye. Goodbye. There you go. Thank you for being right on that, right on the spot with that one. And uh, I say goodbye. Roger says goodbye. Thanks, everybody, for watching. We'll see you next week. Good one.